Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top stories, a downward spiral hitting Chinese and Hong Kong markets. What does the plunge say about global investor confidence and China's economy? The U.S. race for president is off and running. Steve Yates, former deputy national security advisor at the White House, tells us about what could happen to the U.S.-China relationship if Trump got reelected. A United Nations meeting focused on forced organ harvesting. The Monday talks zooming in on the shocking practice and human rights abuses happening inside China. The evidence is overwhelming that this gravest and most despicable of human rights violations has occurred in China on a large scale in the past, and the evidence is that it continues to this day. And green energy high on Democrats' agenda for the election, China is boosting its dominance in the sector. What is Beijing doing in America's backyard? Chinese and Hong Kong stocks hitting a new low Monday, two benchmark indexes both plunging to historic lows. The CSI index, which looks at mainland Chinese shares, closed at an almost five-year low, while Hong Kong's Hang Shen index dropped over 2 percent, approaching its lowest point since year 2009. Many influential Chinese companies list their shares on the Hong Song index. But four weeks into 2024, Hong Kong is off to a rocky start. Its stock market has lost one-tenth of its value. And a financial data company ranked the Hong Sung Index as one of the worst-performing major indexes in Asia. The plunge could mean investors are not optimistic about China's economy. Meanwhile, overseas money is also fleeing China. Foreign investors pulled over $4 billion from mainland Chinese shares this year. This same period last year saw an over $15 billion inflow. Chinese stocks listed in the U.S. also declined Monday. In the meantime, another key part of China's economy is suffering, real estate. This sector accounts for a quarter of China's GDP, but it's been plagued by plunging home sales and defaulting developers. Earlier this year, China saw a big drop in its home sales during its three-day New Year celebrations compared to the same period last year. There's been hopes that customers would spend more after China lifted its pandemic restrictions, but it didn't play out that way. Adding to the strain is a shrinking population and aging workforce. Authorities say China's population dropped by over 2 million, and its aging population has heaped pressure on its health care and pension systems. Investors had been hoping that officials would bolster the economy with a stimulus. But Chinese Premier Li Qiang said Beijing looks to avoid offering major ones. Another of former President Trump's Republican rivals just suspended his race for the White House. And now he's endorsing the former president. How could U.S.-China relations change if Trump gets reelected? We sat down with Steve Yates, former Deputy National Security Advisor at the White House, to find out more. Steve Yates, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Now, following Taiwan's presidential election, all eyes on on the U.S. presidential election coming up in November. Now, several analysts are already pointing to a potential Trump win after he did very well in Iowa. Now, if that were to happen, how would China view a Trump and William Lai of Taiwan's combination? 
Well, I think they would view them very differently in a certain way. Uh, William Lai is continuity versus change in Taiwan. So he campaigned on, and I think honestly meant, that he would continue the policies that President Tsai Ing-wen had on cross-strait relations, but also in engaging allies like Japan and the United States. So uh, there's no real claim that Beijing could make that the election of William Lai was a shock or a, or a change election. Uh, the United States, however, in changing from a Biden administration back to a Trump administration would be changed in a few different respects. But I also suspect that going from a Trump first term to a Trump second term is different because of lessons learned. Uh, the, the impact of the COVID pandemic, the policies that were that were taken up, but the very fact that President Trump has said openly how disappointed and upset he was about being lied to uh, about COVID, about its transmissibility, the cooperation with the WHO, all of that, I think left a very, very sour taste in his mouth. And I think that the actions that China has taken since have under Xi Jinping just reinforced concerns uh, that the offers to cooperate, reach deals in the first Trump term, uh, probably are not going to be given with the same enthusiasm in a second term. And how would the U.S.-China relationship change then if Trump does become president again? Well, the first term, I think, was colored heavily by the effort for the phase one trade agreement. Now, I think we're just past that. There's a consolidated consensus in both parties, not uniform, but I think a consolidated consensus in the middle uh, about using these tools to balance our relationship. But I think the added wrinkle is now a lot of Americans, not just Republicans and not just Trump supporters, see the impact of dependence on China very differently. Uh, the, the COVID experience exposed pharmaceutical and the PPE supply chains, but that opened a whole other set of questions. Since then, we've had this discussion about agricultural land and access to other parts of America where we don't have reciprocal access in China. And so I just think that the terms of the debate are so different now uh, that it would be hard for Democrats not to come along. Uh, and I think China would be hard pressed to find the coalition of business support that used to be on their side. Now even the tech industry is quite concerned about China. Steve Yates, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Shocking human rights abuses on an unprecedented scale. A crucial United Nations event on Monday zeroed in on the Chinese regime's practice of forced organ harvesting. The evidence is overwhelming that this gravest and most despicable of human rights violations has occurred in China on a large scale in the past, and the evidence is that it continues to this day. The meeting highlighted the Chinese communist regime's practice of forcibly extracting organs from prisoners of conscience and selling them for profit. Experts testifying at the hearing included human rights lawyers, professors, and medical professionals. It has been established beyond doubt that the Chinese Communist Party sanctions the murder of prisoners of conscience in order to harvest and sell their organs. The principal victims of this evil practice are Falun Gong practitioners that follow the Buddhist school practice of Qiong and Uyghurs. The evidence for this dates back nearly years, and nearly 20 years. 
Harold King is the deputy director at Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting. He presented data showing that in China, the number of transplant centers grew from 150 to more than 600 between 1999 and 2006. The number of annual organ transplants grew by 250% around the same time. China did not have a voluntary donation system in place during that time period. And the other factor that's really specific um, to this case, the forced organ harvesting, is that the waiting patients from around the world only had 15 days to one month waiting time. Um, and again, this is in great contrast with what happens in Europe or America or other countries where it can be months to even uh, several years. Falun Gong practitioners are believed to be a major source of organs. Also known as Falun Dafa, it's a spiritual meditation practice based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. It grew enormously popular in China in the 1990s. In 1999, the Chinese regime unleashed a brutal campaign to eliminate the practice. Millions of Falun Gong practitioners were harassed and imprisoned. At least thousands were tortured to death. We call on the United Nations members states to courageously question China's human rights record during the Universal Periodic Review. We propose the creation of a special rapporteur on forced organ harvesting of living prisoners of conscience in the People's Republic of China, and we call for the establishment of an international criminal tribunal for forced organ harvesting in China. The panel said that the silence and inaction of the international community has emboldened the Chinese state to commit more human rights abuses globally. Tuesday's session of the UN Universal Periodic Review will focus on human rights issues in China. They include the crackdown in Xinjiang, Tibet, Hong Kong, and civil society. Next, a closer look at Beijing's human rights abuses. At least 209 Falun Gong practitioners were persecuted to death by the Chinese communist regime in 2023. That's according to a new report from Minghui.org, a U.S.-based information website that keeps track of the persecution of the spiritual meditation practice. Over half of the victims were seniors. The youngest was only 23 years old. Reports say they were subjected to various forms of torture before they died, including sexual abuse, electric batons, being denied access to the bathroom. Some had their feet burned, and some were imprisoned in a cage. Falun Gong is a spiritual meditation based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. In the 1990s, about one in every 13 people in China practiced it. But millions of them were thrown into prison and tortured after the Chinese regime launched a nationwide persecution campaign. Thousands have died, and an unclear number have had their organs harvested from them while they were alive. Democrats are putting green energy high on their agenda for the presidential election, while overseas, China is boosting its dominance in the sector. To do it, a Chinese consortium is deepening its ties to one of the world's largest lithium reserves. The strategic metal is critical for battery production of electric cars and solar panels. Just this week, Chinese metal company CBC signed a deal with Bolivia, funneling a $90 million investment into a lithium mine in the South American country. It adds to a much larger deal inked last year, when CBC agreed to invest more than $1 billion. 
Bolivia is home to around 20% of global lithium resources, but the country lacks the technology to process it. Bolivia will open its doors to all companies that meet the requirements and accept the conditions of Bolivia's industrialization and business model. Right now, China produces the majority of the world's lithium-ion batteries. Bloomberg Research Service NET estimates that by next year, China will produce three times more batteries for the green energy sector than the rest of the world combined. And elsewhere in America's backyard, a new port in Peru will soon become the first in the resource-rich region under Chinese control. The deepwater port is mainly owned by Chinese state-owned firm Costco Shipping. The project falls under China's Belt and Road Infrastructure Initiative. Critics call it a tool for spreading the Chinese Communist Party's influence around the world. Another record is getting broken in the skies above Taiwan. Beijing recently sent six more Chinese balloons across the Taiwan Strait, and one crossed over the island. Taiwan's defense ministry reported the situation on Sunday, noting the rise in Chinese balloons has lasted for over six weeks, starting before Taiwan's presidential election. Many believe that these balloons are used to spy on the island, though experts have said they don't pose an immediate military threat to Taiwan. Last February, the Pentagon shot down a Chinese spy balloon that flew over the U.S. A senior State Department official described its purpose as clearly for intelligence surveillance. The high-altitude device was equipped with multiple antennas, and the U.S. official noted it had the potential for collecting and geolocating communications. Back to the balloons in Taiwan, the Taiwanese Defense Ministry lashed out at Beijing for the move, saying the balloons had posed severe threats to multiple international airlines. The ministry also accused the Chinese Communist Party of trying to frighten Taiwanese residents with the balloons. China's ruling body, the CCP, has never ruled Taiwan, but it sees Taiwan as its own territory. The head of the CCP has repeatedly threatened to take Taiwan by force if necessary. Coming up, a fire in a Chinese school dorm killing 13 third graders. One parent says authorities are trying to silence them. And China has resumed reporting its unemployment rate for young people ages 16 to 24. The numbers reflect a huge improvement, leaving some to wonder whether Beijing's decision to restart publishing came with some changes. That and more after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Tragedy strikes a school dormitory in central China. A fire broke out in the building Friday night, killing 13 students. All of those victims were third grade boys in Henan province. Third graders in China are usually nine years old. Local newspaper The Yangtze Evening Post quoted someone who said they were a graduate of the school. The person revealed that the dorm buildings are locked during nighttime hours. Chinese authorities are reportedly trying to silence parents of the victims. According to local media Caixing, one parent said officials had brought him and some other parents to a hotel instead of to the school. He noted that they hadn't been allowed to see their children's remains. NTD spoke to a resident from the same city. To protect his identity, we distorted his voice. In such a major event, such a tragic incident, authorities at different levels will certainly take some measures to prevent the information from spreading. I think that a lot of information will be blocked. 
This is not the first time it has happened this way in China. It happens very often. When such things occur, their first priority is to maintain stability and minimize their own responsibility. So they will definitely take all kinds of measures to cover up or silence parents. Local media reported that the head of the school was taken into custody. A massive landslide hit villages in southwestern China Monday, killing at least eight people and leaving dozens missing. The landslide struck Yunnan province in the early morning amid freezing temperatures. It's unclear what triggered the disaster. Rescue work is now underway, but has been hampered by the cold weather. Over 500 people have been evacuated. In a declining economic environment, Beijing has resumed its reporting on China's youth unemployment rate. It adjusted its method for calculating the figure, and now the data is over 5 percent lower than before. Experts say the official data may not be trustworthy. Let's dive in. Beijing's last round of reported data from half a year ago cited an over 20 percent jobless rate among 16 to 24-year-olds. After that, Beijing stopped announcing the rate. But with that reporting now resumed, China now says the number is below 15 percent within just six months. The key seems to be a change to the calculation method, which now excludes college students who are seeking jobs. Otherwise, experts say it's hard to believe such dramatic unemployment decrease over such a short time is accurate. Assistant finance professor Zhu Yuezhong at Southern Taiwan University also voiced doubt. He said that's especially true, quote, when China adjusted the numbers to look better, of course, everyone would suspect the Chinese National Statistics Bureau is cheating. Beyond that, China does not include its rural population in any of the jobless rates it reports. Unemployment rates in China's rural areas are much higher than in cities. In comparison, the U.S. youth unemployment rate was 8 percent as of December 2023. China bought up record numbers of crude oil barrels from Russia last year, knocking Saudi Arabia out of its top supplier spot and skirting Western sanctions on Moscow. The world's biggest crude importer took in a record 107 million metric tons of crude oil in 2023, up 24% compared to 2022. Russia is now China's top crude oil supplier as of 2023, with trade reaching $60 billion. It's the first time Russia has taken the top spot since 2018. But how did China defy Western sanctions? Chinese refiners used middleman traders to handle the shipping of Russian crude, allowing China to avoid direct violating the imposed sanctions. International buyers have largely shunned Russian oil in recent years following Western sanctions over the invasion of Ukraine. Russian crude oil also traded at significant discounts, and China took full advantage of that. Meanwhile, overall trade between China and Russia hit a new high in 2023 as well, a record of $240 billion. Japan becoming the fifth country to put a spacecraft on the moon over the weekend. The Asian tech hub is now partnering with Washington on space exploration to help counter China. Let's dive in. Japan has become the fifth country to put a spacecraft on the moon, but power issues are threatening to cut the mission short. Japan's smart lander for investigating moon, known as SLIM, landed at 12.20 a.m. local time, 
but the probe's solar panels were not able to generate electricity. That's according to the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, or JAXA. Hitoshi Kuninaka is the head of the agency's research center. And since we are not able to generate electricity, and so the operation is being done using batteries on load. Kuninaka said the lander's solar panels might be at the wrong angle, but JAXA is hoping a shift in sunlight can help restore its functions. That takes 30 days on the moon, Kuninaka said. Dubbed the moon sniper, Slim attempted to land within 100 meters or 328 feet of its target versus the conventional accuracy of several kilometers. JAXA says the technology will become a powerful tool in future exploration of hilly moon poles seen as a potential source of oxygen, fuel, and water. It will take up to a month to verify whether SLIM achieved its high-precision goals, JAXA said. Japan is increasingly looking to play a bigger role in space exploration, partnering with the U.S. to counter China. The country is home to several private sector space startups, and JAXA aims to send an astronaut to the moon with NASA's Artemis program in the next few years. But there have been recent setbacks in rocket development, including the launch failure of its new flagship H-3 rocket last March. Only four nations, the former Soviet Union, the U.S., China, and recently India, and no private company, have achieved a soft landing on the moon's surface. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.